Our podcast is filling your head with garbage. And welcome back to Hot Godzilla Summer. Five movies, ten weeks. We're in the the much latter half of Hot Godzilla Summer. Supplemental reading series through zero credits where we review all of the movies in the legendary monster verse. I think that's maybe what it's called. And this week, we are talking about 2021's... Godzilla vs. Kong, directed by Adam Wingard. My name, as always, is John. And my name is Henry. And this is a film that we watched as part of Hot Godzilla Summer. I feel like I really rushed through the Hot Godzilla Summer thing. Uh, This is a supplemental reading series through Zero Credits. Supplemental readings are where we talk about a movie in its entirety. Spoilers be damned. So the assumption is you have either seen the movie already or you just don't give a friggin' flip. Uh, In either case, welcome. Welcome to the podcast and welcome to our discussion of Godzilla vs. Kong, a movie. Yes, it felt really strange to say that a movie was released in 2021. Uh, it to also, fair, at this point, would feel strange to say that a movie was released in 2020 because these years haven't existed. Yeah, these years don't exist. And to be fair, this movie was slated to come out in 2020, but due to pandemic reasons was pushed to 2021, despite the agreement between WB and Toho Studios only giving them the rights to the characters through 2020. Oh, so this movie actually, uh, it, it skirted the line. I think it skirted the line because the filming and production was done. It was in the can, as they say, and it just came down to releasing. And I think because of the, you know, the global pandemic, uh, Toho Studios was not as not very litigious in the uh, release, you know, adhering to the terms of the deal. So this, uh, my understanding is maybe them having the rights to these through 2020 and then maybe uh, 2021. That This may, in fact, be the last of the legendary MonsterVerse series. You know, we can we can jump right to the end right now, John. This is the first Legendary Pictures movie without a scene at the end of the credits. Yes, that, that is definitely true. We'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, if you've been following the series thus far, uh, that is grim tidings indeed. Now, Henry, how familiar are you with the work of Adam Wingard? I would say, John, if I had to approximate my knowledge, it would be at a staunch 0%. I don't know who this man is. So uh, we should go back through the directors, maybe not by name of these movies, but we've got uh, people who have directed maybe one or two movies before. Uh, actually, I went into that with a lot of confidence. I cannot remember a single person's name other than Jordan Vote roberts uh, Well, there so- was Mike- Michael Doherty. Doherty. Yeah, and then Gareth Edwards. There you go. Gareth Edwards was the original, uh, the original Godzilla, Godzilla Monster Verse version. Uh, Jordan Vote Roberts, King of the Monsters, was by somebody, and Adam Wingard uh, is directing uh, Godzilla versus Kong, a very difficult movie to remember the name of. Uh, he is famous for uh, directing the frame story, and I believe the introductory uh, short in the anthology film VHS. And then he directed uh, some of the shorts uh, within the VHS series. Now, Henry, how familiar are you with the VHS series of horror movies? Uh, Kind of intimately uh, knowledgeable, because for some reason in our improv troupe back in the old days, uh, VHS made the rounds. I felt like... 
certain individuals were like, we got to watch this movie or like, I want to watch this movie with everyone and see the reactions. And so it was real weird. Yeah. VHS, definitely horror. I could do a whole horror podcast. Don't threaten me with a good time. Uh, but horror kind of tends to have these things that bubble up to the surface uh, that kind of infect everyone. These like mimetic, mimetic events. Uh, VHS was definitely one of those. Uh, similarly, like, like Paranormal Activity, Blair Witch Project. Uh, it happens. Uh, but VHS was a movie that I would say charitably is garbage uh, and includes a lot of really unnecessary sexual violence uh, and is a movie that is not charitable whatsoever towards women. Not a big fan of VHS. VHS 2 actually has an incredible short by Gareth Evans, who I thought directed (laughs) the... The first God. Godzilla movie. Gareth Evans, director of The Raid, and uh, Timo, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, incredible <laughs> incredible people in the Indonesian filmmaking space uh, made a very good part of VHS 2. But VHS 1, hot garbage. <laughs> the connections are tenuous at best. <laughs> Why? So is that only directed before... Uh, yes. God versus Kong? <laughs> God versus King? Uh, yeah, <laughs> No, no, no Godzillas, no King okay, Kongs, so wait, no Masters. Your resume, your CV com- is composed of the frame narrative for VHS and maybe a few of the shorts in VHS. And that comes out like early 2000s. And your next project is Kong versus Goals. No, really, it, a lot of these movies have people who have directed one or two things, and that's it. Uh, for what it's worth, Adam Wingard also appears to have directed uh, Your Next, a horror movie that was not very good. Uh, Death Note, uh, the... Oh, the, 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 um, the, the Netflix adaptation of the anime. Actually, I would say of all the directors who were given a sh- uh, a shot at this franchise, he maybe has the largest body of work. He also directed 2014 The Guest, which I uh, think is actually a very good, uh, fun horror movie. I can forgive him for that. He did the bad Blair Witch remake. Uh, so he, yeah. he's mainly in horror, and yet here he is directing a blockbuster monster fight action film. Yes, he he went into, uh, he came out of directing horror movies to direct uh, the largest grossing movie of the pandemic. And whereas these other Godzilla movies in the legendary monsters universe, verse, whatever, however you want to phrase it, they've all had horror elements in them. Like you've got like lingering silhouette shots or, or soldiers being killed and you don't know what exactly killed them. These elements have been woven throughout these movies. This movie, however, is kind of without any of that horror sort of element at all. Yeah, I would say uh, even up through King of the Monsters, there was a certain uh, horrifying element, uh, like a like a frightening, foreboding element to all of these. And I'd say that Godzilla versus Kong is uh, the least uh, explicitly textually horrifying movie. Uh, there's very little horror in the script itself. I don't know that I could say the film is totally not horrifying, though. Uh, but in in the script, there is no horror. Right, right. Not horrifying versus horror being a different discussion, but there are no elements of suspense or gory death 
I mean, there are gory deaths, but we don't linger on them. They're few and fleeting, which is rare for this series. <laughs> Extremely rare. A- and we're left with very bright colors, a soundtrack that only plays songs when Kong is relaxed. <laughs> yes, a-, a soundtrack that has, I think, two licensed songs in it, which I feel like if you have that kind of budget, m- maybe... They're not bad songs. I just feel like you could, whatever. Uh, and then all everything I else need. I think is by Junkie XL, who did the music for this movie. Yeah, John, all I need is the air that I breathe. I mean, they're good songs. They're I okay. I do, I do not like either song choice. This this movie rises and falls on King Kong going on going about his daily life, which mm. is that's an interesting start to a movie, I guess. I want to say something that I think uh, might echo throughout our conversation about this movie. Uh, The way this movie begins with the shot of the uh, sunrise and then the uh, treatment that says somewhere on Skull Island. uh, With the text treatment, I think it's pretty clear from the beginning of this movie. This is a sequel to Kong Skull Island. Like it is. This is a King Kong movie. This is absolutely a King Kong movie. Kong gets the most screen time. Uh, it's not even a contest. And a lot of the major human plot deals with, can we use Kong as a device to find the hollow earth for question mark reasons that no one needs to know until the big reveal. And I think this might actually be the first movie. Uh, uh, you might disagree with me on this, but I think this is actually the first movie in the legendary monster verse where a monster is the protagonist because I'd say yes. for the Godzilla remake, the protagonists were Brian Cranston for an unfortunate 20 minutes. And then Anya Taylor, joy, Amanya Taylor, joy, uh, <laughs> Kong skull Island. The protagonist was obviously Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson protagonist and King of the monsters was Millie Bobby Brown and coach Taylor. And the protagonist in this movie is King Kong somehow. Honestly, the human characters in this film, one, are not memorable. Two, are not given anything to be memorable for. And three, virtually accomplish very little throughout the entire film. So that I would agree with your summation that Kong is the protagonist. Because at least Kong does something. Yeah, I mean, he's the first character we see. He's the only character with a journey. First, uh, other first than the kind of ineffectual monarch. He's the first character who speaks. So uh, the, the classical definition, the classical Greek definition of protagonist, though our first speaker, rings true. Yes. Uh, and all of these, if you've been paying attention, uh, follow classical Greek playwriting <laughs> tactics. As all stories and movies have forever. Yes. Uh, I did think it was strange in Godzilla King of the Monsters when there was a literal Greek chorus. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's up to every individual creative what they want to do with the franchise. So here's the thing about these human protagonists. One, I didn't get any of their names. Uh, I know their actors' names slash what they've been in. I feel like... <sighs> Can we jump into the characters in good yeah. faith? I, I think no. that makes sense. <laughs> you said in good faith. You tricked me. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, I, I think we can talk about the, the right. characters. So you've got hollow earth scientist guy. 
Hollow Earth scientist guy played, of course, by Alexander Skarsgård. Sure. Yes, Alexander Skarsgård. And then you have Hollow... No, you have Monarch... Uh, you have Monarch Mon- Woman who... Yeah, well, Monarch Kong Specialist. Monarch Kong Specialist, played by Re- the tremendous Rebecca Hall, of course. Uh, who was recruited to join an expedition funded by Apex, a different company. And so Monarch, while playing a huge vital role in the past every movie, kind of just takes a back seat except for this one employee. So the I know that we've talked about this before in these movies with Monarch kind of being all over the place, both in their capabilities uh, and in what they're actually like trying to do. Monarch is the least important thing about this movie. Like Monarch is not important at all in this movie. It's just an organization that some people are members of and that's it. And yeah. I think coach Taylor is now like the director of Monarch Ex- or something. So, yeah. We get that tidbit that coach Taylor is now the director of Monarch and we see coach Taylor freaking out because Godzilla attacks a human facility for the first time in five years or whatever. And it's like, what are we going to do about these Titans? I've totally, totally changed my entire tune. The lesson I learned in the last movie, I'm now unlearning. I just want to take pictures of wolves. What am I going to do? And he proceeds to do jack shit for the rest of the movie. I want to put coach Taylor aside. I want to put him in a pile to address later because that's a a criticism. I have Uh, Rests in the character of coach Taylor. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown is back. Also a criticism I have uh, exists on her character. Yeah, she's back to, to, yeah, she picks up her role as Millie Bobby, a baby, the the child of Coach Taylor and the the antagonist of the last movie. And she teams up with Russell from Deadpool 2 and then uh, Brian Tyree Henry uh, from Atlanta. Yes, from Atlanta. uh, Brian Tyree Henry, of course, is great. He was also Spider-Man's dad in Into the Spider-Verse. Right. Um, and Russell from uh, from Deadpool 2 being this uh, this breakout New Zealand child actor uh, whose character does nothing. And then Brian Tyree Henry's character, who is the, the resident crackpot of the movie, who is ultimately proven right. But in this case, it doesn't it, it doesn't do any it doesn't do any it doesn't do anything. <laughs> I feel like we're kind of all over the place with what we're talking about. We're going through the characters. I'm just summing up the characters really quick so the audience understands that none of them are good. Yes, uh, you nailed it. I think that's all of the characters other than you have the evil guy. Evil Apex Man, whose name is Apex. His name is Simmons or something. And then you've got, and correct me on this, his right-hand man. What is this man's name? I have no idea what this man's name is. He is, oh. I think, the only Asian person in the film. I and feel he like is horribly underutilized. I feel like we need to look it up because I feel like it's important. Ren Serizawa. Wait, what? Serizawa? Yes. No. This is why it's important. Did I not catch that at all when you, I watched the goddamn did not movie? not catch it at all. His name is Ren Serizawa. I had no idea. And it's not addressed other than, like, that's his last name. They don't say, like, your father was the greatest Titan scientist we've ever seen or anything like that. Instead, they just say, he just calls him Serizawa and he pilots the Mecha Godzilla. 
But why? I uh, So this character is horribly underutilized, and the fact that he is a descendant of Dr. Serizawa actually makes me very, uh, very makes, disappointed. Uh, apparently no he's sense. the estranged son of Dr. Oh. Serizawa. They had a falling out. Are you in the uh, trivia? So there were a series of comics released uh, between these films that actually fill out a bunch of this. I haven't read any of them, <sighs> but there's apparently a lot to understand. They had a falling out. Uh, because he had like an obsession uh, with Godzilla or something. Yeah, hold none on. of this was explored in the film, so I don't. I don't feel like we should validate it. Yeah, I don't feel like there's a need to validate it. The, this movie did a uh, terrible job with its characters. I would describe it as a piss poor attempt. <laughs> at, te- at like one thing that the the MonsterVerse begrudgingly has done well is that. The human story at least makes sense. Yes. Uh, in all of these, the humans are kind of at the heart of it, which I know we've had a conversation of, can't we just have a two hour long monster fight? And that would be fun. But I think the thing about these movies is that there's a human story at the center of it. Like these are, right. These are sentient disaster movies. And I think that's when they're their best. I feel like Kong, no, sorry. Godzilla versus Kong is kind of an example of, uh, one, you know, we're, we're going to focus on a monster. We're, we're finally going to give you what, what you ask. We're going to focus on King Kong for the entire movie. Uh, but two, because of that, we're not going to make as much, we're not going to put as much effort into the human side. And you can just feel like that side just letting the, the air out of the story. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, uh, anytime Godzilla or King Kong are on the screen... It's a pretty electrifying moment because the people who make these movies are really good at uh, at choreographing, uh, directing, and then rendering giant monsters beating the shit out of each other. Like, uh, you, you could take any given scene from one of the kind of three marquee fights that include King Kong and Godzilla. Like, King Kong throwing a fighter jet and then everything being shot from the pilot's perspective as he's trying to eject. Incredible. You love right. to see it. Uh, yes. And then you have like Millie Bobby Brown and this kid I do not give a shit about uh, <laughs> meeting a conspiracy theorist in a diner. The lighting is shit. The dialogue is shit. Nothing they say really makes sense. Their motivations are all, all over the place. It's just garbage. Every human interaction is garbage. And none of the human side is very well plotted out. Not from a story, not not from like a literal plot standpoint, um, but from like sharing information with your audience standpoint. Because if you're going to have this huge journey with this monster, and you you you, and the scene that sets that up is the the Hollow Earth crackpot scientist talking to the Kong specialist and Please, asking Bernie. Which one? No, no, not Bernie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know hollow Earth about, yeah. crackpot. Yes. Um, the Hollow Earth scientist talking to the Kong specialist and asking, like, can we use Kong? And she shakes her head no, but says okay. And then we jump cut to Kong on a barge, tranquilized and being transported. But usually when there's a big epic journey or a transportation scene we will know where we're going. This movie doesn't let the audience in on anything. We just, from one moment 
saying, okay, we can use Kong to the next moment we're using Kong. No planning, not letting the audience in. And then that is echoed in the B story with Millie Bobby Brown and Brian Tyree Henry. Um, they sit down, they meet, and they're like, oh, so, you know, the New Zealand kid's like, what's the plan? And Millie Bobby Brown grabbing her backpack just says, we're going to break into Apex. And then that's it. Like, there's no planning. Nobody is planning anything in this movie. They're not letting the audience in on what are we What are we going to expect? What are we seeing? Where's the travel by map section? We just, we just cut to different set pieces. That's all we do in this movie. And... Hopefully it makes sense, but who ultimately the, like by doing that, the movie is saying we don't care if it makes sense. This is just where you are now. I mean, uh, not to be like a like a movie dickhead about it, but the thing that makes a movie enjoyable to watch and engaging is when it believably transports you through space and time. So the the least. Uh, kind of pretentious way I could describe that is to say like uh, what's the train to Busan and Snowpiercer right any movie set on a train is automatically going to be engaging because you know where they are in space and time like space and time is super important Andre Tarkovsky is like it doesn't matter if you explain why a person can be in a shot twice as long as you communicate why and where they're moving, that's fine. Uh, So for this movie to just be a series of people having stilted, no-stakes conversations and then just being somewhere else, it feels like you're having, like, a NyQuil dream. Yeah, you just keep waking up in places not knowing how you got there. Which, unfortunately, King Kong literally does through the length of this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, King Kong literally gets sedated multiple times and just brought other places, which, to be fair, I believe Adam Wingard said that uh, one of the things he set out to do was to make people empathize with the Titans. And I empathize with King Kong. Uh, I, too, have uh, repeatedly blacked out and then woke up places I didn't want to be. Yeah, I can can definitely relate to that. Um, But if he wanted me to feel sympathy for Godzilla, he should have given Godzilla Screen time. <laughs> I, I mean, Godzilla. Godzilla is a. Uh, if we were to argue that these movies at their heart have Godzilla to thank for their existence, because the first one was a remake of uh, of the original Godzilla. It's a shame what they do to Godzilla in this movie, because the plot just kind of happens to him or her. Right, right. Like uh, Apex sets off. Or they're testing the eye of Mecha Godzilla, and it, it, it activates a call to make Godzilla attack the facility. Uh-huh. So obviously, they've learned nothing about the bioacoustics from the last two Godzilla movies. And this is, by the way, contributing nothing to what these movies are saying. Because the previous movie, Godzilla King of the Monsters, we learned that one standpoint you could take is to try to make the Titans do your bidding. And in King of the Monsters, arguably, the motivation was actually much more interesting because they wanted the Titans to do their bidding and by extension save the Earth. Uh, So to kind of backslide on that and have the motivations of the primary antagonists of this movie be, we as humans want to control the Titans uh, so that we can, like, 
I don't know that there was actually an end goal other than like make money or be, it just feels like Apex. really the, the story is just not good. Yeah. And I don't know what apex wants. So Simeon's uh, the guy, the Mr. Apex kind of sums it up kind of poorly. Um, it's like, what if <laughs> he, he's a human rights activist, basically. Okay. He wants, he wants humans to be, and not, not, not in the literal way, but like in the men's right activist kind of thing. Oh no, he's an HRA. Yeah, he's an HRA. He wants humans to be the apex predator on the planet, and the way to do that is to create their own titan to kill off the other titans. But beyond that end goal, I, I don't know what is go- like. Is he going to then protect the world, or is he going to hold it for ransom? Like. There's what's happening. What happens when you eliminate both Titans? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just silly. I, I feel like Godzilla King of the Monsters for all the things it did wrong. It at least had like two pretty interesting kind of antagonist viewpoints going on, or at least uh, contrary viewpoints going on between the coach Taylor and the coach Taylor's wife. Uh, this one, uh much less interesting, but we have to believe, I mean, the best bit of characterization is that uh, Millie Bobby Brown listens to a podcast and then uh, becomes a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. And are we going to, are we going to gloss over the fact that this movie is essentially about Millie Bobby Brown getting Q pilled except QAnon is real. Actually, I have a lot to say about this. I'm tired of movies having the crackpot conspiracy theorist be right. It's a real problem in America. What? No, it's every one of these movies. Every one of the MonsterVerse movies has a crackpot being proven right. It's like whoever is heading the vision of these movies is like, "This this is the Bible, our design Bible. You have to have this as a plot point. And, uh, it's astonishing because how many times can crackpots be right? And not only right, but Brian Tyree Henry, the crackpot of this film, seems to know way more about everything that's going on than anyone else around him. He yeah. he looks – he sees the, the Monster Zero skull and then it, he just knows how it works. It the The character that Brian Tyree Henry plays – is like entirely imbued with this ability to move the plot along, even though he's supposed to be a crackpot. I don't know. I feel like movies are generally more engaging when the crackpot is like a hindrance to the to the story, at least, and not this massive driving force. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a podcast hater. I appreciate that this is one of the few pro-podcast movies in the space. Uh, I, I think the podcast representation in this movie and that people can sweatily record a podcast in their car and then end up saving the world. That's something I personally aspire to as I sweat in this closet. Uh, but it's real problematic. I think in the moment in history that we're living through to have any movie where the guy who's a crackpot on a podcast essentially saves the world. It feels weird. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's anti-intellectual drivel that does, that makes for good, exciting movies, I guess. It's crowd-pleasing, sure, but at the end of the day, it ultimately 
flies in the face of reality and that we should listen to scientists. I mean, if these movies actually followed real life, everyone should have listened to Dr. Serizawa. And Serizawa should be the, the protagonist of all of these movies. And Coach uh, Taylor should have sacrificed himself in the previous movie. Yeah, but instead, a, a white man said the same things that uh, Dr. Serizawa was saying, and now he's the director of Monarch. So and, and maybe this movie is anything. like real life. Oh he, my God. The character of Coach Taylor exists to say one thing at the very beginning of this movie and one thing at the very end, and that's basically it. Yeah. This goes into my like larger criticisms of these movies and not caring about characters because this one is really the most egregious. Yeah, this one hurts because instead of just getting an entirely new cast like every one of these movies has done, they brought people back and then kind of shit on them. Yeah, they brought characters back to do absolutely nothing with them. They brought Millie Bobby Brown back, who could have a pretty interesting viewpoint on the Titans and their role uh, in the world as it relates to humanity. Instead, she's just like a crackpot who refuses to drink water that has fluoride in it. They bring back Coach Taylor, who could really have matured and be an interesting uh, kind of... uh, charitable director of monarch instead he's just kind of the same guy who has the same opinions he had at the beginning of king of the monsters it's right it's dumb it's silly after all of that arc that he that he navigated and and coming to godzilla's side godzilla attacks one facility and he doesn't him uh, a, a doctor of bioacoustics who like helped create the the alpha predator call, which can do- demonstrably make Titans <laughs> act in an uncharacteristic and and destructive way. Yeah, an expert on wolves and also Titan behavior uh, doesn't never for a second thinks maybe something is influencing Godzilla's actions here. No, no, no. He's just like, I got Godzilla attacking people and I got to figure out what to do about it. And you're not going to see me figure out what to do about it because I I don't have anything. (laughs) Yeah, he has nothing. Honestly, the Coach Taylor character is like someone who goes to therapy and takes all the wrong lessons from it. Because what he says to justify the fact that Godzilla is now uh, a malevolent force in his eyes is he says people can change so can titans and it's like you you heard the phrase people can change and you blanketly applied it to this thing that you've seen like your friends die to protect come on yeah one of your one of your good friends who, who like had jokes with your kids about like you know time to get a new watch or whatever who sacrificed himself sacrifice himself to bring Godzilla back. And now you're like, this is public enemy. Number one, we got to bring him down. Just it's, it's a real waste of that character. Once again, these movies showing that they do not know what to do with characters, even bad characters. It's just, I know we usually rail against movies, the entirety of a supplemental reading, because it's very much easy to nitpick and, and to pull apart what's not working because there are parts of it that do work that we want to shine and, and make better. But this movie 
was a chore to rewatch. It, 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 it is just, it's not well done. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would definitely agree. There's, there's a lot of this movie. I don't know. I, I feel like they I killed, enjoyed it a, upon first watching. Go ahead. They killed off the entirety of the tribe that lived on Skull Island with a glossed over sentence about uh, the deaf girl's like be- backstory. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. When the store moved in, all of the natives on the island were killed, but she was left and Kong protected her. That's the gist of it. And it's just like, why? What? Why is it necessary to kill off that entire tribe? So Kong has a reason to leave the island, I guess. Yeah, I, I suppose. I. But why would Kong want to leave the island? Because you guys are there studying him? So you guys back the fuck off and let Kong be Kong. I mean, arguably Monarch has done more. Uh, Monarch hasn't done a lot of good in some of these movies, which, by the way. Who is funding Monarch enough to create like a like a King Kong hollow dome? That must oh. be expensive. But we remember in the last episode of this supplemental reading series, I was so excited to see a world changed by Titans. The the last movie's end credits had all of these wondrous, wonderful things of how the world was changing because of Titans. And this movie doesn't give us an inch of, of that world other than Monarch is really well funded. <laughs> I mean, from my understanding from limited readings about the comic books, about these movies, this movie is supposed to take place like five or six years after King of the monsters. Right. And King of the monsters sets up that, I mean, kind of in no uncertain terms that there is a new pecking order in terms of primacy on the earth. And Godzilla is at the top. Exactly. And, and and the 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 kind of order of primacy would lead you to believe that like Rodan, etc., and all these like non-Toho titans uh still exist and like are going to be under Godzilla's purview. Like they've they've woken up and now the age of Titans is now is really exciting. Uh, and now in this movie, the only thing that really seems to have changed is that on a news broadcast, they will no longer be surprised that monsters are real. But that's pretty yeah. much the only thing that has changed. Yeah, Sadly, what is missing from this movie is yeah, a, a news reporter saying monsters are real or that headline being somewhere in the movie. And, you know, maybe that is why this movie is bad. Yeah, I think uh, upon closer examination, the reason this movie is bad is because no character says, ladies and gentlemen, monsters are real. At, at this point, like this is the fourth movie in the series or whatever, you would I, I, I would foresee even having a character say it as a joke. You know, poking fun at the, the times before when they, they felt the need to reveal it. But it's... I just feel like this movie doesn't have the attention to detail that the other movies had. And a prime example of this, I want to point at Mechagodzilla's design, which is the first bad design of the series. I have been waiting the entirety uh, of this supplemental reading series uh, to inform our listeners that I 100% called it. I don't know if it was on air or not. Uh, but I did say 
that in Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, and I said this multiple times in real life, you can check the record, that it's going to be like every other uh, high-profile pro- ho- right. high vs. movie. There's going to be a third force that shows up to make it so there is not a definitive winner uh, at oh, the end. I disagree. Uh, I, I do agree that um, Mechagodzilla does rise up to be a, a, a true opposing force, but there is a fucking clear winner in this movie. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, these movies, that, like your Freddy versus Jason's, yeah, they, and, and your Alien versus teddy Predators, bear. it's oh. not totally clear. And so it's it's clear in the fights that King Kong and Godzilla has. Uh, and this, I actually want to save something to the end of the podcast to this effect. Uh, that okay. Godzilla in this movie uh, is definitively the winner. He beats him. Uh, he kills him. him. He could have. No, he's dead. Yeah. If, oh, okay, uh, sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Misspoke. He is dying. Yes, he is. He is definitely dying, which, you know, I feel like maybe Godzilla didn't intend to kill him. But, you know, accidents happen in the ring. Uh, but I feel like when they come together at the end to defeat Mechagodzilla, whose design sucks, uh, it's they they leave on like a detente. They're like, I respect you. You respect me. Right. You'll go back to the sea. I'm a giant gorilla. It's great. Right. Uh, it's so great. it someone doesn't definitively lose and then the movie's over. Uh, I OK, I guess I'll agree with that begrudgingly. But there is a clear cut winner in this movie. Yes, uh, and uh, I, I definitely said that early on, that something is going to show up to, to muddy the waters about this conflict we all wonder about. It's probably going to be something like, I don't know, Mechagodzilla. Uh, and then it was a thousand percent Mechagodzilla because it has to be. That's the only thing you can make show up uh, with kind of limited overhead. You can't just have like, you know, uh, I'm blanking on the names of any other Godzilla monsters. Um, how about, um, Space Godzilla? Yeah, you can't just have Space Godzilla show up all of a sudden. Uh, so Mecha Godzilla made a lot of sense. To your point, I hate the design of Mecha Godzilla. It's so bad! When they redesigned Godzilla, I was like, I don't know about this. And then you see it in action, you're like, I like Thick Godzilla. Thick Godzilla yeah. rules. I, the BDIs m- are a little off-putting, but everything else works. I, uh... Oh, BDIs. I thought BDI. I thought it was an acronym like BDIs. No, no, like uh it's just his eyes now are very tiny compared to the rest of his bulk. Yes, his eyes are tiny, his teeth are thin. Not a huge fan of eye- his teeth are like sh- short, I don't know. Teeth could be better. Yeah. Eyes could be better, but I think New Godzilla is very very good. Uh you know she from Houston. Uh, and then new King Kong, very good. Love old Kong, love tall Kong. King Kong had to grow a scarred. lot for this movie. Yeah, scarred Kong. Scarred, a little bit of gray hair, really like it. And then Mechagodzilla. Kong. Punished Kong. <laughs> Kong, this is a sneaking mission. Oh, God. Provisions are procure on site. Colonel, I'm trying to sneak up on the guards, but I'm a 300-foot <laughs> tall gorilla. <laughs> It's uh, it's very good. And then Mechagodzilla just straight up sucks. Arms too sucks. long. Arms Why too long. You... He doesn't have a neck. There's no Why? neck. Arms it's, too it's... long. Face looks stupid. Only cool thing is Red Beam. Red Beam is cool. Yeah. Red Beam is cool. Missiles are canonical. Like you Missiles got all are canonical. Cool... Rockets are canonical. 
Yeah, you got all the cool gears and weapons. I don't know what that plasma fist was, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, I like the plasma fist. I like the using rockets to punch. I like the missiles. It's good other than the design just sucks. Listen, I'm going to give you, this is off the top of my head. This would be a quick design to show that Mechagodzilla is cool. Number one, fixes design. Uh, But number two, you know how Godzilla has the wum-wum tail? Yeah. Give Mechagodzilla the wum-wum tail, but make it way faster. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that would, it would clearly communicate to the audience that he is more powerful than Godzilla. It's obvious. It's obvious. Uh, But instead, he's just kind of like a red beam Godzilla with dumb, stupid, long arms who, whose like behavior and aspect doesn't really look like Godzilla at all, which is the whole fucking thing you want from a Mecha Godzilla is he should do the same things Godzilla does, but better. Right. It's dumb. The thing that, okay mechanics aside of how they control the thing or whatever they didn't want to put a pilot in the in the the mechanism i guess whatever that aside when it goes haywire what is driving it what they didn't program it to do anything it's not it's literally there's no programming in the thing it was it was literally piloted by a a psychic link with a a human pilot so what's making it move this is the thing that is most frustrating to me about this because we do, it's explicitly said that uh, the way that they're able to control Titans is they use like whatever psychic power exists in the skull of Monster Zero. Right. And I think it's Monster Zero. I, I think that Ghidorah, uh, Ghidorah right. is the thing that's piloting it, which is a shame because we know that like one Ghidorah head survived, right? Exactly. Charles Dance bought it. Yes. But does the existence of the shitty Mecha Godzilla we don't like rob us of the existence of a Mecha Ghidorah? That's what I am sad about. Um, because I did happen to just randomly scroll through the trivia. I was looking for something with, with Ren Serizawa's name in it. Um, and I found this little tidbit. I don't know how much of this is true. Uh, but according to IMDb tri- Trivia... Uh, scenes that were in this movie that were cut from the final film are Alan Jonah and his forces being killed by apex cybernetic soldiers while they are stealing Ghidorah's severed left head from them with Charles Dance reprising his role as Alan Jonah. If that's true, I am sad because I thought there were two heads. Yeah, I, It doesn't matter. Like they could get other Gaidora, Godzilla ate one of the heads. There's still two out there, probably. Well, and the, Charles Dance had one head, and Mecha Gigaidora only has one biological head. Well, right? I have something very disappointing for you. During the the waves that are sent off from Red Godzilla, by the way, give us that red beam. Uh, two oh. of Ghidorah's heads are vaporized, so he eats. So then he eats well, the, how does the he final. Eat? Oh, no, no, no. One of the heads is vaporized. He eats a head, and then there's one remaining head. So then, canonically in the world, there were two heads. Charles Dance had one. Maybe Apex recovered the other. No, no, no. One of them was vaporized. So two heads left. One of them was eaten. One of them was eaten, leaving one head. And that's the head that Charles Dance bought. So there's only one Ghidorah head left. I thought Charles Dance bought the head that was ripped off in Mexico. 
Oh, you know, that's a good point. I didn't think of that. Wasn't the head taken off by the oxygen destroyer? I thought the head was ripped off by Godzilla. I think I I can't be sure, and I'm not going to watch that movie again. So let's agree to disagree. All that aside, I feel like Mecha (laughs) Gidador. Mecha Mecha King Mecha King. <laughs> I feel like we're not going to see Mecha Monster Zero because they they canonically cannot have it unless I don't know. I, I thought they were saving for some reason Charles Dance and that last head for for the Mecha version of that monster for a different movie. Uh, but this tidbit, this trivia, this cut scene allegedly. Um, would would make it so that's impossible. Yeah, and we can't say what's true on IMDb. Anyone can write those things. Uh, but we also right. do know from conversations previously that they may no longer have the rights to use the Toho monsters. Yeah, also on IMDb was like a tidbit of an interview with Mr. Uh, what's his name? Windchill? Uh, Wingard. Mr. Wingard, uh, that he was like, well, it's kind of up to the fans to step up and say if they want more of these movies, which is the, always the worst. Yeah. Don't put I it mean, on the fans. <laughs> all these movies have done very well, except to be honest, King of the Monsters. It was actually the least successful of all of them. Oh, that's a shame. Um, what I want. Okay. So circling back, not to trigger a whole joke thing. Um, if it's, King Ghidorah driving the the Mechagodzilla's instincts after the pilot is fried. I wanted a hint of that. <laughs> yeah, there's like, really nothing there at all. It just has a malevolent energy. It kills right. Simmons, and then it just kind of behaves Ghidorah like it does. With- it shouldn't have been unclear that that was happening. Right, like Ghidorah was cruel and malevolent. Like, show him like taken out of hospital or something, or maybe add some like electricity in the beam or something. Like, give us a hint that, because that would be really a really cool callback. Like, your old enemy that you defeated for for your title, Godzilla, is now back and more powerful than ever. Like, how anime would that be? I mean, not to say that Dragon Ball Z is like the peak of a certain level of visual storytelling, but have the guy be fried, right? Right. And then show Mecha Godzilla like charging up his red beam, and then all his red parts turn yellow and electricity-y. Clearly right. communicate that this is a Ghidorah thing. Maybe magic. I don't know, but make it yellow. Because the thing that doesn't make any sense to me is why it would go haywire because there's no programming. Like it was literally piloted. Like a, a that would be like a jet fighter gets a virus and starts flying on its own. It can't. You need a pilot to pilot it. Yeah, I mean it it has to be since they are saying that it has like whatever fucking psychic energy still lives in the monster zero head. The only reasonable explanation is that Ghidorah is now taking over, but like if that could be communicated in some way, that'd be great. And I know we keep like drifting away from these for the problems of the movie, even though Mecha Godzilla sucks. 
His fight's pretty cool. Mechagodzilla doesn't really have much character at all, which is a shame because you'd like yeah. to see the the character of these monsters and the way that they fight. You know what's yeah. amazing? We haven't what? even talked about the multiple times Godzilla and King Kong fight. Yeah, okay. We we can do that cuz that is that is the peak the strength of these movies is the King Kong versus Godzilla fights. They they are I wouldn't touch a thing. And uh the first one happens in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, the the first one happens in the middle of the ocean. King Kong's at a distinct disadvantage. Uh Godzilla uh can swim. So that's uh that's point number 1 for Godzilla is really cool jumping off of aircraft carriers. I I feel like we maybe did this with the original Godzilla where we spent the entire hour or so that the episode began with talking about things we didn't like when in fact we actually kind of liked the movie. I don't know. Uh, But the fights in this movie are really good. They're very good. Yeah. Very innovative. Having that, that battle in the ocean and that, you know, I don't know why you would want an, you know, like an aircraft carrier with you, I guess just in case Godzilla attacks, you can scramble the jets or whatever. Um, but they don't. <laughs> they absolutely scramble zero jets. Uh, but it serves as a cool surfboard for Kong to try to fight back. Like I, that's a sequence I've never seen before. So that's great. There is never a point in these movies where they're like, "Don't bother scrambling the jets." Like they, do you think anyone who's in like an F sixteen or whatever is like Fox two and launches like a like a heat seeking missile and in their head they're like, "Not that it'll do any good." Yeah, no. So I, I, every time I see pilots like their planes being destroyed in these movies are used as weapons, um, <laughs> I, I just I write the same note every time. Why would you be a pilot in this universe? Yeah, it's a very uh, it's an unfortunate profession, and I yeah. think Godzilla might have the highest body count in this movie. Uh, well, other than the first one, he just like smashes some aircraft carriers with his tail. Kong takes picks up a jet and throws it as a weapon with a human inside of it. And yeah, the human gets out. Kong and- couldn't have known how ejection seats work. Kong doesn't give a shit. Exactly. Yeah, Kong Kong fully intended to murder that pilot. That's an interesting I- thing these movies never talk about. It's like, yes, these are our saviors. They're intelligent and, you know, left to their own devices. They will do things that are for the good of the world, but they really don't care about us. Exactly. They don't care. They don't give one- Hong Kong gets fucking decimated. I mean, there's a moment where King Kong, like, wants to show he's bad to Godzilla and, like, smashes his axe in the ground to pound his chest. It's like, smash his axe in the ground, 12 dead. 12 dead. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Um, and, and whereas the previous movies kind of went through painstaking lengths to show, like, no, 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 people were evacuated, people got out. Some people, not all people, but enough to put plant the idea in your head that maybe that building they crashed into was empty. Uh, this movie shows you people in the buildings, parallel to the monsters fighting, as they crash into other buildings to let you know that thousands are dead. Yeah, thousands die in that last fight in Hong Kong. Uh, I th- There's so much to get into about this movie. I thought the Hong Kong fight was good. It's beautiful. I, I mean, it's lit up exactly like a Destroy All Monsters melee stage. Like Everything is neon and bright and colorful and like just looks beautiful on the screen. It's so cinematographic. And the fight is one of the best fights in the, the this history of the series. 
Well, I mean, I, I did want to say something about the lighting. Tell me. Henry, are you familiar with the uh, with the phenomenon of bisexual lighting? Uh, no, and uh, I what? So, uh, bisexual lighting is the idea that a uh, a fairly common way, if you're like the director of photography for a movie, to communicate that a character is bisexual uh, is to light them with contrasting colors like pinks and purples against blues, oranges, things like that, like contrasting colors happening at the same time. So uh, my question for you, Henry, is uh, Godzilla and King Kong, do you think they're, uh, you know... <laughs> they're, they weren't fighting at all, were they? <laughs> do you think they're... Uh, Oh you know. no. <laughs> they were this was this was a mating a mating ritual. That oh, no. We just we, we don't understand. They're star crossed lovers, their 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 families fought. Uh mythology tells of their rivalry <laughs> and now here they are in present oh, no. day. Like we can rise above the sins of our parents by committing some sins of our own. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's really a love story. Uh, and even if they're not, they could just be two bisexual people fighting. That happens all the time. Right, and not in a relationship at all. They just both happen to be bisexual. Look, there's yeah. a percentage of people. Listen, bisexual people can fight. And it's not doesn't have to be related to their relationship. Yeah, so whether or not it is, or they were just bisexual uh, giant monsters fighting, who's to say? But I'm saying that everything... Uh, photographically in the movie would indicate that yes, they are, but who's to say? Is that something that uh, Michael Wingold <laughs> <laughs> you, you nailed it. Is that something the director would be aware of? I mean, bisexual lighting is a well-known enough phenomenon that I think it has a Wikipedia page. Is, uh, okay. It would be interesting to dive into his, to, uh, his filmography and see if he's used it before. I mean, you could make the argument that it actually just creates a striking image when you use contrasting or complementary colors uh, with uh, with colored space lighting in a shot. However, I think that that is not true in every character who has been lit uh, by by two contrasting or complementary colors in a scene is bisexual. Uh, change yeah. my mind. Right, right. The only, like, it has to be in the movie, it can't be on the poster, because every, you know, God knows, every poster is, is orange and blue. Yeah, orange, I think orange and blue is actually safe. I think okay. it's specifically, like, blue and pink or purple or blue, blue and, and red. And, that would uh, make there, sense. There was, there was a lot of this, a lot of that in this movie, so who's to say? More wow. power to them if they are. You know... If anything else, I hope the people who are listening to this learned something about bisexual lighting uh, and didn't, you know, that that's worth it sitting through us tearing apart this movie. <laughs> uh, did yes, I, mention, I, I certainly agree. Did I mention the random mythology of these two people having ancestors who fought? What? <laughs> yeah, there is uh, consistently throughout this movie, there is more explicitly an implication of a long line of Kong family members, but also a long line of Godzilla family members, like a, like a Hatfields McCoy's situation uh, going back. And I think it's implied that the Kongs lost this conflict and were like exiled to the hollow earth or something. Maybe. Did, did you see how many axes they had? Okay. Can we talk about the axe? That, but, okay, so Kong uses one axe, but there's also a ton of axes down there. 
There's a bunch of axes. They knew how to use tools, which I guess they is cool for Kongs. them. Being apes, there's a lot of Kongs. There's a there's like thrones. Those, there's a whole thing axes? with skull crawlers. Yeah, or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever to that scene. I, I, the fact that Millie M- Robbie Brown knows the one what a skull crawler is, two how to recognize it on sight. And three, to use the that exact name when nobody survived Skull Island. Yeah, like, how in the fuck would she they wouldn't know? know what, she wouldn't know what to call it. She wouldn't know what it is. Fuck off, Millie Bobby Brown. Have they, like, started doing tourist trips to Skull Island now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the deal? Anyway, the axe is... The a, fact it, that all of this is so readily accepted, but apparently Hollow Earth is an insane idea. When that's been proven twice! It's been proven repeatedly in the movies. How does Godzilla get places as fast as he does? And here's the crazy thing. People act like Alexander Skarsgård's character is insane for believing the Hollow Earth. He's like this dejected uh, crackpot. He's like, yeah, my brother died on, on an expedition to the Hollow Earth. It's like, did no scientist go like, how did he die? <laughs> Because it's apparently documented he died from a gravitational right. shift. Did no right. scientist go, how'd he die from a gravitational shift if Hollow Earth doesn't exist? Did, and did Monarch not mention that they went through a very similar wormhole to find, like, the lost city of Godzilla's people? Yeah, has no one That's actually same... talked about their real-life experience with That's the, the Hollow same Earth? bullshit. They found caverns in the earth in the previous movie but no no hollow earth is still very much unproven and even uh. the, the person is like when they're talking to rebecca hall scientists they're like you know how you had that crazy theory that kong that skull island was connected to the hollow earth it's like these people are like well-respected scientists you'd think that i don't know you'd think that hollow earth would be accepted because it's demonstrably real multiple times yeah, the, the same pterodactyl birds from Skull Island are also found underground. It's it's obvious. Yeah, it's obvious. You just have to go through the Earth to the core. By the way, Earth ain't got no core. No core. Uh, no core Earth. Uh, no core. And then you go through a wormhole and you end up in a place where I don't really understand how the gravity is supposed to work. And that's the hollow Earth, baby. Yeah. And in that hollow earth, there's a bunch of axes that are made from, drumroll please, the scales of other Godzillas. Yes, which is why they can absorb the Godzilla rays. That is the coolest shit. And I called it, before I saw this movie, I said, the only way King Kong and Godzilla can be on fair ground is if they give King Kong a weapon, and boom, they did. They did, and I hated it. It's whatever. I think it's silly. Why don't you just give him Excalibur if you're going to give him a weapon? Who cares? <laughs> they gave him Kong Excalibur. <laughs> they did. They That is Kong Excalibur. Uh, but yes, that is why um, I'm just now making the connection. That's why it can absorb the, the Godzilla rays. Yeah. yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. To his credit, to Kong's credit, when they were about to face off for the final time before, like, the final, like, nod and turn back to the ocean, Kong threw that axe down and was like, I don't need this shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kong's pretty... I'll, t- I'll take you on. I was just dying. I but feel I'll like, take you on. 
I feel like number one, Kong just came back to life. He doesn't know what's going on. Once again, uh, Kong has <laughs> passed out and then been brought back to life in a very strange situation. And more power to Kong. He really knows how to roll with it. They really should have thrown in a line like, oh, no, it, it, it's okay. He's best when he's just waking up. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to catch Kong when he's had time to really figure out a situation. He's a very good improviser. Yeah. He, he's, yeah. He's at his strongest when he doesn't know what's going on. The only time when he really uh, wasn't able to catch the beat was when he woke up in the in the Hollow Earth entrance Arctic area because he was like, ooh, I'm cold. But otherwise, he's like, I'm on a boat. I'll eat some fish. I woke up in a city. I guess I'll kill Mechagodzilla. Right. All right. One last thing I want to cover, and this is pure speculation, but you notice how the military is not in this movie? Yeah, the military is really not in this movie whatsoever. There's uh, contractors and and weird scientists, but that's it. You you notice how the final uh, battle of this movie happens in Hong Kong? Oh, no. Well, yeah, I see where you're going. This is a strenuous, very tenuous uh, link, but I think the the military has had a habit of subsidizing movies in the past that – positively highlight the military that's a stipulation of their funding i mean if Um, you if you shoot something that involves certain pieces of military hardware as a lot of marvel movies have you actually have to have your script approved by the department of defense and they'll typically do rewrites yeah exactly uh they they, they have their hand in the movies it's a little not well-known secret Uh, but i feel like maybe there was another source of funding for this and maybe i don't know and I'm not – it's very tenuous at best because Hong Kong does not equate to China. But <laughs> why they have to pick Hong Kong? Yeah, it is uh, It is very interesting that this – I don't know. In a, in a society where like all of our blockbuster movies are kind of tools of the American military-industrial complex, I feel like now if you make a big-budget movie, you kind of have to choose if you're going to be a Marvel movie and go full military-industrial complex of America or uh, go full, I guess, Iron Man 3 and go full China. I think you have to pick a side at some point. Yeah. I I just, you know, it's interesting when they could have chosen any place that's opposite Florida. Maybe Florida and Hong Kong are actually... (laughs) Yeah, actually completely on the other side of the planet. And like I said, this is tenuous and like I'm, this is pure speculation, but I feel like maybe there was another source of funding and that's why the military was so downplayed in this movie. And, you know, I'd love to do the calculations on this, but so Godzilla roars at King Kong from Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, through a hole. Yeah. And ostensibly King Kong is at the center of the earth at this time. Right. And then jumps through the hole to then come out in Hong Kong, right? Yes. Wouldn't that take hours? Yeah. And also gravitation flip and... See, the problem is he's falling, but if he has to start falling up, does he start climbing? In which case, that would take days. Right. Right. And like the, the 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 heave thing that had to do all the complicated <laughs> stuff, just uh, oh, oh, wouldn't oh, oh, it be oh. wouldn't it be funny if if King Kong jumped down the hole 
and then like you get a you get an interstitial that's like three hours later, and King Kong shot back out the hole and hit the ground and died. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they did that to him though. They <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, to a lesser extent, that did happen. They, they get the, they're like King Kong. Your family might be down there, so you no have other, to go first. No other warnings. <laughs> they 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 are in that heave, and they're like uh, Alexander Skarsgård is like, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be wild. Here's your vomit bag. No one is communicating <laughs> this to Kong. He just goes head first. Falls, lands face first on the ground. It's like, he's probably dead. What's really funny is when the heave is falling and the gravitational reversal has already happened to Kong and they're like going in opposite directions. I think the scene is supposed to communicate the people in the heave are like, oh, this is bad and weird. But King Kong's face just says, what the fuck? <laughs> Grabs the side of a mountain <laughs> and he's like, he's fine. Yeah, he he. Once again, he's a tremendous improviser. Uh, he adapted to it a lot quicker than the people did. Right. Right. Um, so one thing. Uh, so Simmons or whatever, Mr. Apex has a daughter who is on the mission who like she's completed her goal. And she's like, I just want to leave now. And all she has to do is fly up the hole that Godzilla just carved. But right before she does that, she's like, shoot the ape. Yeah. It's, and they, she does, and like King Kong catches the ship and crushes. Like it, you just don't shoot at him, and you would have been fine. Yeah, just don't do what everyone else does, which is use missiles on a Titan. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, I, I, I feel like I, I do not die? know the actor that played uh, Simmons' daughter, but she she fills a role that I like to call the the Ruby Rose role, which right. is uh, hot evil dies. You need one. Uh, her name is Isa Gonzalez. Yeah. Maybe Isa. Isa Hollywood Isa. hates hot people. Especially when they're evil. Triple H, Hollywood hates hotties. Uh, oh, this movie. <laughs> I'm exhausted. There's a lot to say. Uh, and I have, I have more to say about this movie, perplexingly. Okay. But nothing we can really get into. Yeah. When you boil it down, there's maybe 40 good minutes of this movie, and it just happens to correlate with every time the, the monsters are fighting. Yeah, the monsters fighting, definitely the best part of this movie. Anything with characters, just really disappointing. A real slog, really unenjoyable. What? Even though this movie is stacked with really good talent. Lance Reddick shows up to deliver one line. Oh, what's the line? He's like talking to Coach Taylor. He's like, the monsters are attacking, director, or whatever. It's like, why'd you hire Lance Reddick for that? I mean, I'm glad Lance Reddick gets to eat, but like, right. why? Yeah, there's too many desperate parts that, even when they come together, don't really pay off in anything. Like, even when the the mystery team finds the apex, you know, secret that Mecha, they're working on Mecha Godzilla, it's just like okay, sure, this might as well happen. And then there's a lot of things that just, because you have these characters in these locations don't make sense. Like, our heroes are now free. Like, the monsters have been defeated. Millie Bobby Brown has called her dad, who was put together, even though the connection was bad, that she's in Hong Kong. So she's looking for him. But behind her is 
the New Zealand kid and, and Brian Tyree Henry, who are also looking through the crowd to spot people they might know in Hong Kong. Yes. Uh, incredible. Yeah. It, it, there's just, whereas the Skull Kong Island. <laughs> God damn it. Wait, did you say Skull Kong Island or Kong Skull Island? I said Skull Kong Island. <laughs> the rise of Skull Kong. Ah, punished Godzilla versus Skull Kong. <laughs> the the Phantom uh, Pain. Kong Skull Island had some shoehorned relationships with characters, but they all sort of worked. They all paid off. At least everyone's motivations made sense. And a lot of the human stories in these previous movies while maybe the weaker parts were still very good and compelling, like Elizabeth Olsen nails it as a concerned nurse slash mom in the first Godzilla. Some of her decision-making might be questionable, but we still buy it in the end. Whereas in this movie, it's just like everybody's just kind of doing things because the plot is asking them to do it. Everything that happens in this movie is a big old, that might as well happen. Right. Which is when when that's the driving force of your movie for your characters, it might be time to go back to the you know the the the, the, the draft stage of the movie making process. Might be time to go back to uh, to directing movies called VHS with way too much sexual violence against women. Right. There's that one succubus story though. Yeah, you're right. That dude gets his, you know, dingle cut off. You're right. He does get his dingle cut off. VHS 2. I'll say that one part is good. Uh, nothing against Adam Wingard, uh, but I do Wait, not think... That was in VHS 2? No, I don't know. I don't remember about the dingle thing. Oh, the, okay. No, the cult one was in VHS 2, and that's really good. Oh, I haven't seen that one. You should. Nah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, Adam Wingard, this movie that you made is not very good. And also, I do not yeah. like the other movie I know that you made. Uh, the Guest, Adam Wingard, good job on that one. The Guest is a very good movie. Yeah, but but in the face that this might be the possible end of this monster verse, just what a sour note to possibly end on. And I do hope we get more, and I hope we can kind of move past this not dark chapter, but maybe slightly mediocre chapter in the MonsterVerse. But if this is the end, then it's kind of like WB, you know, Legendary Pictures. What what were you doing? Was this all just a cash grab for you? Which the answer is yes, because you're WB. But still. I mean, I think that if this is potentially the end of the MonsterVerse, I'm very sad because in all of these movies... Up to and including Godzilla versus Kong, there are little pieces of real greatness. I think the most promise was obviously shown in Godzilla and then Skull Island. Uh, those movies had the most, I think, going for them artistically, uh, even if a lot of that didn't really end up going anywhere. And then that kind of turned in King of the Monsters, and then we ended up with whatever Godzilla versus Kong is. But there was a light. There was a light that that shone through these movies, that shone through these movies. Sean. Sean. Uh, S-E-A-N. <laughs> uh, but no, that, that shone through these movies, uh, that if this is the end, 
I'm very sad because there was a, a decent amount of greatness in these movies. Yeah, I mean, we, we made jokes in the previous episodes about like, man, I you know, I, maybe they saved Coach Taylor to do something great, and then it turned out that didn't happen. And there are like maybe a few other of those where it's like, if this is truly the end, why didn't you make the most artistic movies you could? You know, make these movies actually, you know, beyond being cool monster fights, but also stand for something or at least have the tiniest bit of a message. I mean, this is the only movie with no message in it whatsoever, and I think it's all the weaker for it, uh, considering that uh, its source material, both Godzilla and King Kong, both have pretty strong central messages, even if one is better than the other. Fuck King Kong. Um, But I don't know. I, I feel like this movie is the worst for it. Before we get into rating these movies, however, oh. I would like to introduce a, a segment of this supplementary that is specific to this movie. Okay. Now, going into it, there was a lot of conversation happening, as happens whenever there's a tentpole versus movie that comes out. Uh, you have your people in one camp, your people in the other camp, and uh, I would like to hear from each of us, Godzilla versus King Kong, uh, on multiple merits, uh, who we truly believe uh, would and should win in that conflict. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, uh, dollars to donuts, I'm going to say it's Godzilla. Godzilla's way better, better character, better movies, he's got the breath, many breaths, a lot of stuff. Godzilla sucks. Fuck Godzilla. I mean, King Kong sucks. <laughs> yeah, I hear <laughs> you. Fucking Kong. Okay. Uh, King Kong okay. is the worst. No good movie. Is Peter Jackson movie had those bugs in it real bad. Uh, fucking Kong. Godzilla rules. <laughs> What's happening? All right. All right. So just on the merits of big old lizard versus big old ape, dollars to donuts, uh, which is an expression that I use. Um, it's it's Godzilla. Uh, one. Atomic breath, so range weapon uh, that can kill, uh, but two, covered in armored scales, which are hard to inflict damage through. And uh, King Kong has uh, just fur and skin that could be easily ripped into, which we saw. Uh, Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we saw it many times. King Kong also has no range option other than throwing cranes, but not a lot of cranes in the movie. I think there's like one crane toss. Um, So while King Kong might have opposable thumbs with which to grab, Godzilla has also shown that he too can grab, even without the use of thumbs. So I, I just feel like with the atomic breath and the armor and the ability to retreat into the ocean, Godzilla takes it. Yeah, and of course, uh, I think it sounds like we're both in agreement. Godzilla wins. And of course, uh, if we need a final nail in the coffin, uh, Godzilla is a tired, wandering samurai type who has a moth as a wife. And King Kong is, of course, a loser virgin who lives on an island and eats fish. Uh, Fuck King Kong, Godzilla forever. Uh, It seems you got a little personal there, but I agree with the outcome (laughs) nonetheless. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just, this isn't like an ad hominem attack against King Kong, who is unfortunately uh, a sad virgin who lives on an island with John C. Riley and it's a bunch of stupid fish, uh, versus Godzilla, who gets it on with a giant bug. Uh, I'm just saying, one of <laughs> them is that? better than the other one. Uh, and right. that's that. I'm glad we had this segment. Yeah, I thought it, I, I was actually planning for us to have much more time with it, but yes. This is it. Definitive rankings of who would win Godzilla versus King Kong. I mean, there's not much to talk about when we both agree. Yeah, I don't think we'd ever disagree. However, we do have space to disagree here at the end of the episode. Yes, this is this is it. The, the final sort of rankings. Uh, final in that we've got one more movie to cover in our, on our Hot Godzilla Summer Series. But this is the final of the MonsterVerse rankings. And so this is it. This is all the marbles. This is meat and potatoes. This is the skin off my nose. Yes, this is dollars and the donuts. I'm going to kick off with uh, John's list of Godzilla's and King Kong's movies. (laughs) Best to worst? Nope. No, we were doing worst to best best. because it makes more sense. Makes more sense. Uh, The worst of these movies, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. I actually went back and forth on this a little bit uh, because I feel like uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is kind of the most uh, ideologically bereft movie uh, in this franchise. Really doesn't have anything to say. However, King of the Monsters uh, actively... Uh, disregards and shits on, I think, the core tenant of Godzilla movies. It's much more disrespectful. Uh, However, King of the Monsters does have uh, King Ghidorah in it and uh, Ghidorah rips. So Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, worst movie coming in at number four, uh, followed rapidly by Godzilla King of the Monsters. Uh, Ghidorah is very cool. Uh, followed. I really can't believe this is the way the ratings shaked out. I know this. This is insane. Godzilla at number two, and yeah. still number one with a bullet is Kong Skull Island. It's the best of these four movies. Uh, it it's it's the best of these four movies. I really don't yeah. want that to be the case. I really want a Godzilla movie to be number one, but it is what it is. Right. No, I I hear you, and uh, I'll just give my. Henry's Godzilla's number one movie rating list uh, coming in at number four would be the just look. We just ripped into it for over an hour. So it should come as no surprise that Godzilla versus King Kong is the worst of these movies. Other than being bereft of meaning, it is also bereft of fun. <laughs> oof, <laughs> oof, Ebert. <laughs> get him ebert uh number three unfortunately is godzilla king of the monsters because while it is still it, it's got fun in it it's just it's got multiple failings that can't elevate it above the other two uh speaking of two number two can't believe i'm saying this especially because what my my list is called uh, my godzilla is number one list uh coming in at number two is godzilla mm. because even though he can't defeat the green, big green mother of three uh-huh. on the screen, King Kong Skull Island is hands down, without a doubt, the best movie in this series. It's just 
well-made. It's got all of its parts moving in the same direction. Everything is coherent and cohesive and great. It's cinematographically, cinematographically the, the like the, the best looking one. And it's, it, despite its, its few faults, it, it's, it's overall the shiniest, prettiest stone in the collection. Yeah. It's a, it's a very pretty movie. I, Hate that we're now at the end of the monster verse and a King Kong movie is number one. However, there Godzilla, is a chance the Godzilla that music I... kicks in waves part. There is a chance for Godzilla uh, to reclaim his crown as we promised. If we managed to make it through these four movies, because of course we would, it's just, we're just white people watching movies. Like, was there, a, were we not going to watch it? Like there were we not no going to watch danger. four movies? Yeah, yeah. There's there's no real danger of us not of us not watching all four movies. What what a what a tease! But through the manufactured stakes of us two white people watching four movies and then talking about it while drinking, we made it to the end. So we uh, two weeks hence are going to be watching Hideaki Anno's Shin Godzilla. Uh, the the revitalization of the Godzilla franchise from the creator of Evangelion. Uh, So I look forward to that. It's going to be a hell of a trip. I bought the Blu-ray yesterday. How do I watch it? I mean, we could watch it together. We're both vaccinated. Yeah, I well let's 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 do it. Yeah, let's have a movie night. Uh, yeah, Shin we'll take Godzilla. this offline. Sheen Godzilla, Hideaki Anno, hell two yeah! In two weeks' time, we will be talking about Shin Godzilla. Uh, but for now, the only thing left to do is to um, strap a big monkey onto a boat and. I didn't have a good transition. Uh, if you want to give us your thoughts about who would win in a battle between King Kong and Godzilla, uh, send us a tweet on twitter.com to at ZCPCWHJ on twitter.com. And I believe John knows what that stands for. That's right. That stands for Zodzilla versus Sing Kong. <sighs> PC pods versus once again Sing Kong that's WH right. Watson that's, that's right John that's right you, you nailed it in one you got it uh, if you have a longer Jodzilla the- god damn it if you have a longer thesis that you want to send us uh, we have an email address so you can send an email to email at zero credits dot net uh, send us your essays send us your fan art and send us your walmart coupons uh, we are also on spotify and uh between you and me i might be getting a premium spotify account which means i'll be able to listen to music that has nothing to do with it us but you can find us on spotify it's where most of you are listening we're also on apple Podcasts. itunes has died and apple Podcasts has risen the victor you can leave, 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 you can leave, you can leave, get out, get the fuck out. You can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and that'll really help us out. The higher we are on those charts, the more we will win. But the most important thing you can do for all of us, for all of the people of Hong Kong, <laughs> the fictional people of Hong Kong, 
all you can what you need to do is uh, word of the mouth is the only way we can all survive. So if you tell some friends they need to be wary that monsters are real, we'll po- propagate this myth into legend. And that's the only way we'll get more of these movies. That's right. And at the end of the day, what we do want is more of these movies so we can talk about them for 55 minutes. And uh, all we do is talk about negatives. And at the end, it's a surprise whether we loved it uh, or hated it. Uh, we are uh, pretty consistent with how we review things. The critic from Ratatouille was right, not at the beginning, but at the end, about how criticism is easy, but creation is hard. God bless you, Adam Wingard, but stop, right. stop the sexual violence against women in your films, not in real life. Well, no, like if you are oh if you are actually committing sexual violence against oh anyone, regardless God. of gender, stop that. But I do oh. not mean to imply that you are committing sexual violence against women in real life, but stop it in your movies and from everyone here at the zero credits Godzilla studios. We would like to wish you a happy week. Oh my. Yeah. Being a critic is very easy. Uh, But it's very easy. Yeah. Goodbye everybody. That rat sure can cook.